0: Hello and welcome to Speak A Dogcast. My name is David Farb. I'm an animal behavior specialist and I am broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you once again for joining me today. Hey, we have reached 26 episodes. Yes, six months of Speak A Dogcast. you guys so much for listening in hey i appreciate all the support really couldn't have gotten to this point without everybody listening so it's just fantastic i'm having a great time and you know something if you guys haven't clicked subscribe yet you're going to want to do that right now and i have a bigger favor to ask especially if you're listening on apple podcasts if you haven't given me that five-star review and you like what you're hearing do me a favor stop right now Scroll on down and click that five-star review. Yeah, go ahead and do that for me if you love what you're hearing. It really goes a long way towards supporting the podcast, helping us grow, and helping us get the word out there more. So again, if you haven't clicked that five-star review, do me a huge favor. Go ahead and do it right now. And if you really want, leave me a review. I'd love to hear a detailed review What you guys are thinking about the show so far. That would be fantastic. But really, thank you guys so much for listening and all the support so far. It's just been really phenomenal. So we've got an awesome Cast lined up today. The first segment is going to be called So You Want to Spoil Your Dog. Who doesn't want to spoil their dog? But I'm going to tell you maybe some of the perspective on spoiling a dog and maybe what that means from the uh, behavioral side and how to go about doing it better. Then we're going to have a segment called Trick Training 101. Of course, it's going to be all about teaching your dog some fun tricks. Then comes the breed of the week and the listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Before we get going, got to give you that trivia question of the day. And today's trivia question is, how many breeds of dog are there in the world? And of course, I'll give you the answer to today's question somewhere in the podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. On Speak a Dogcast, it's a segment called So You Want to Spoil Your Dog. What dog and animal lover wouldn't want to spoil their pet? Wouldn't want what's best for their dog, right? I get that. I can understand that. But what if what you're doing to spoil them isn't what's best? Maybe your intentions are in the right place, but what if you're unknowingly doing the wrong thing? You know? I mean, I can kind of give you an example just right off the bat. Clients that feed their dogs people food, okay? You know, I've, I've touched on this a little bit about, it's sort of your own individual rules if you want to feed your dog people food, but... If it gets really out of balance, it's not in moderation, and and I run into this a lot where clients are feeding their dogs a lot of crap, or or maybe the client will say to me, "Hey, well, you know, sometimes the dog, if I'm taking the dog for a walk, or maybe I'm taking the dog for a boot camp or something like that," and they'll say to me before, "Oh, you know, he he tends to have loose poop or runny poop a lot. You know, it's just kind of yes, it's what it is. He has stomach issues now." Sometimes there are legitimate stomach issues, intestinal issues that dogs do have, maybe an allergy or something like that. I, I'm not denying that. But <laughs> over the years, when you see dogs and they're eating certain things, and you see a certain pattern with their digestive issues, it kind of becomes apparent. I don't think there's an allergy here. I think this dog is not getting Fed properly, it's not getting the proper nutrition. You know, uh, an example is that I'll ask them if I, if they say the dog has intestinal issues, I'll just start asking a couple questions, such as, what do you feed them? You know, oh, I give him the kibble. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, do you feed him anything else? Well, yeah, he gets cheese in the morning and cheese at night. You know, sometimes I'll sneak him cheese in the day. And, oh, well, he gets uh you know, he he'll when we go to Starbucks, he'll get a pop cup. And I mean, sometimes if I do a drive-through, I'll give him some fries. And you know, we'll give him some leftover scraps of this and that. And, and the list just keeps going, right? And so your dog is eating a bunch of dairy, is what I'm hearing. Uh, a bunch of sugar, a bunch of things that are really not very digestible for a dog and your dog has intestinal issues. Wow. I wonder if there could be a correlation here. Um, (laughs) So uh, best intentions, right? To spoil their dog, but you're creating an upset stomach for your dog. And I don't know about you guys. I don't enjoy having an upset stomach. So why would you want to give your dog an upset stomach? I, you know, the logic there kind of has me going, Hmm, scratching my head. That doesn't make any sense. So if you really want to spoil and love your dog, stop feeding them crap. <laughs> like I'm sorry. Uh, you know, that just seems so silly. Spoil your dog in different ways. You know, so I, I come across that's just like the first and easiest example of people with the right intentions. But you're spoiling your dog in the wrong way. Okay. Now, another thing. I'll go to consultations, right? And especially if, if we have a dog with maybe some anxiety issues or something more than just, hey, we're training a puppy, you know, it's a little little beyond that. I'll hear my clients say to me after we run through everything and I give them my perspective and I show them maybe looking at things a different way and I'll hear, I feel like a terrible dog owner. I've been doing everything wrong. and I, You know, I've got to go, hey, come on, you know, be be fair. <laughs> you're, you're not a professional. I don't expect people to know everything um, it, it's okay. It's okay. But what ends up happening is, is, like I said, especially with these, with, with anxiety cases, if we have a dog who's, who's fearful of something or scared of something, what does an owner tend to do? They tend to try to coddle the dog and calm them down. And as I've talked about before, Hey, if you haven't listened to my, um, uh, my, the podcast on dogs and anxiety and separation anxiety, go back and check those out. There's a lot of good information in there about this. And we talk more in depth about, not wanting to coddle dogs in those moments and the why and how behind that. So you you can check those out. Uh, But, you know, we don't want to coddle them. And so, again, if I come across an owner and they've been doing all these wrong things with the right intentions to spoil their dog, but it's making it behaviorally worse. Right. So there's another example of an owner trying to do its best in spoiling an animal, especially like, look, if we have a rescue dog. Oh, I run into that quite a bit with rescue dogs where people They want to make the rescue dog feel safe. They want to make the rescue dog feel loved. And that's awesome and phenomenal. But if we're not doing it correctly, if our timing isn't correct on when we're doing that, as I've talked about, you may be reinforcing that anxiety unknowingly. So here here we are again. I want to spoil this dog. I want to give this rescue dog the best life I possibly can. But maybe we're not doing it in the healthiest and best way. Okay. Okay. So you know, as I've, as I've said before, my job is not so much to train dogs. it is, but really what my job is to cha- is to change people's perspective on what a dog is. And that includes you guys, right? That's part of the reason I wanted to create this podcast is to, to put the word out there, if you will, that we have forgotten what dogs are. We have become so far removed from nature, from animals that we really forget how to communicate with them and what they are, what their needs are, what their expectations out of life, you know, need to be. And so I say it over and over and over. My job is to change people's perspective on what a dog is, okay? And again, if you start listening to all the episodes of this podcast, or hey, if you're a regular listener, you've heard me say, Dogs are domesticated wolves at the end of the day. And to me, to treat them any other way, to treat them like anything else is doing them a disservice, okay? I had a client, I'm going to tell you a quick story, you know, and then we're going to get into how we actually want to spoil our dogs in a healthy way. We're going to get into that in just a second here. Um, but, you know, I kind of just want to touch on this, and this isn't the first time I've run into this, but this was somewhat recently. A couple months back, maybe, maybe even longer ago at this point. Um, but the client wanted to, well, one client wants to spoil the dog, quote unquote, spoil the dog. And the other client is actually interested in my training. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm getting at is the one client who wants to spoil the dog wants to do nothing but give it love and affection. Affection and food and bop 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 and let's cater to the dog and let's not do anything the professional is telling us to do and let's undermine my spouse who's trying to train this dog who's trying to create structure who's trying to create a dog that isn't going to be a monster okay and what ended up happening Is Oh, I don't know. Because of the lack of structure, because of the lack of training, the dog started having behavioral issues. I know. I'm really surprised. Are you guys surprised, too? Are you really shocked? (laughs) And the dog started biting and and scratching. And this was a tiny puppy, right? And it started small. The snowball started really small and then started growing. And the, the the jumping turned into barking. And the barking turned into scratching. And the scratching turned into biting. And the biting turned into growling. And the growling turned into going into the closet and getting things out and getting possessive over them and chewing things that belong to one spouse but not the other. And that's what happens when you spoil a dog with nothing but coddling and affection. I think this dog was like only 12 weeks old. And how early on... These bad, these undesired, these nasty behaviors, in my opinion, um, start bubbling up, right? And they're not doing anything to curb it. So where do you think this is going to be in a year? Where do you think that's going to get you in a year? Spoiling your dog, quote unquote, <laughs> right? Cause to me, spoiling your dog is all perspective. It's all perspective. What you view as spoiling your dog is not what I view as spoiling a dog. Okay. Okay. So let's get into it now. Let's, let's talk about it. What does it take? What does it take to spoil your dog? Okay, here's, here's how I view it. I want to treat a dog like a dog. I, I say that a lot. Treat a dog like a dog. To do them otherwise is to do them a disservice. If I start treating them like a little person, ah, it's just not okay, guys. It's not, it's not, it's not right. Treat them like a dog. Okay, so what's the first way we can treat a dog like a dog boy? I don't think I've ever said it before. Take your dogs for a walk. (laughs) That's right. Get out on a walk. That is the first way you can spoil the hell out of your dog. I promise you, if you create a good quality walk, a mentally engaging walk man, your dog will be so much happier and so much healthier. It it really, it changes everything, you know? Whether I'm training a puppy, whether I'm dealing with a dog with some aggressive tendencies, everything in between, it starts with a walk. It's the first thing I teach on all my sessions. It's also the very first thing I do when we go over when I have a boot camp, right? When I bring a dog back from a boot camp after a dog has spent a few weeks with me, we've done all our training, I don't just walk back into the house with the dog, No, actually, we start outside and we start on a walk. The walk is the way I reintroduce the dog back to their pack. So that walk is just really the first way that we can spoil our dogs, okay? Now, the walks then lead to creating structure, as I've talked about. Ken, if you haven't listened to my segments on walking your dog, go check them out. Uh, Really kind of dives more deep into that. But it gives them structure, creates that structure, creates rules, boundaries, lets them know that you have information to offer, and it gives them a job. It gives them something to do. And to me, keeping my dog not only mentally engaged but physically engaged is really just a phenomenal way to spoil them. Now, of course, I want to have playtime with them. We we always want to have playtime with our dog. Why wouldn't we want to have playtime with our dog? But I've talked about it before. We want to create structure with playtime too. That's a little side note on it. But playtime is another way to spoil your dog. Having a variety of toys, creating different games with playtime, right? We can do, we've talked about it, leave it, drop it, stay, all that good stuff. Really good ways um, to be able to spoil them. That's what I think, you know? Now another thing, teaching tricks. Now oddly enough, wouldn't you know it, we're having another segment today that's coming up next about teaching your dog tricks. I think tricks are sort of an uh, underappreciated thing that we can do with our dog. It's just one more way to give them a job, one more way to keep them mentally engaged. Another thing I find with trick training is that it really gets kids involved. So if you have kids, you know, in your family It's a wonderful way to get them working with the dogs in a healthy way, getting the dogs to know that they should listen to the kids, and it keeps it fun for both the dog and the kid. And once again, gives them something to do, gives them fulfillment. That's a great way to spoil them. Now, there's also different games that you guys can do, like, I mean, agility, scent work, uh, dock diving. There's all these fun, different ways we can give dogs, uh, uh, you know, fun, spoiling them. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. I don't want to spoil my dogs by sitting around and doing nothing, by feeding them crap. I want, to, I want to spoil my dogs by getting them up, working, moving, doing natural instinctual behaviors that they get fulfillment out of, okay? Uh, so agility is a great way, whether you're building your own agility course. Actually, it's really awesome now. There are so many different... Uh, 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 websites and and companies now that sell agility equipment. And it's pretty affordable, whether it's through, you know, Amazon or honestly, just Google around. There's so many great, even just mom and pop type companies around the country that will ship to you. A lot of great agility equipment out there from the A-frames to the weave poles to the tunnels. There's a lot of fun stuff you can do. And again, you can really play like legit agility with your dog, create structure to it, create a pattern in that agility course, teach your dog, time them all kinds of awesome stuff. And to me, that's how you spoil your dog. You want to spend money on your pup, spend it on that kind of stuff. Hey, if you don't have the space for agility, go find a great doggy day camp place. Um, There's a lot of different facilities and and organizations that do agility work. There's even agility competitions you can get involved in if you really want to get into it. It's awesome. Same thing with the scent works. So, you know, all these different ways to get your dog out there and get them active. And to me, that's how you spoil a dog. Know your dog's breed. You'd be surprised a lot of these breeds if you really start researching the breed of your dog. Even if it's a mixed breed, really start researching what they what they were originally bred for. And you might be surprised, you know you might be surprised out there that some of these little guys are capable of doing those agility things, right? Uh, even something as simple as obedience training, right? Even something as simple as basic obedience can go a long way to spoiling your dog. Okay. Now, I'm not saying don't feed your dogs fun treats. I'm not saying don't give them puppy ice cream that you can buy at the grocery store. Uh, again, that's that's an ice cream that is designed for a dog, that's made for a dog, unlike a pup cup at Starbucks. Um, so I'm not saying don't give them fun treats, guys. There's all kinds of good, healthy, fun treats at the pet stores you can buy for them, but in moderation, always in moderation if you're feeding your dog's treats every single day for no reason you're not training you're not doing any, and you're that's a little much it's a little much okay we probably shouldn't be having ice cream and cake every single day of our lives and it's no different with your dog okay so keep that in mind i don't have a problem with giving your dog's fun treats I just want you to do it in moderation, and I want you to be giving them other fulfillment that's going to spoil them. Okay, I like letting my dogs get dirty. I love letting my dogs chew sticks, go swimming, have socialization time with other pups. These are other great ways to spoil your dog. Of course, be mindful of the sticks they're chewing, guys. Make sure it's safe for them. Make sure it can't splinter Uh, I I don't have a problem with dogs chewing, you know, side note here, chewing natural stuff. That's kind of my personal thing on it. I have my, you know, maybe not a pine cone, something with spikes. Uh, Again, be mindful of what they're chewing. But I don't mind letting my dogs uh, go outside and have some fun. That's another great way to spoil them. Let them go outside and run around and act like a pup. And like I said, that socialization time, letting them play with other dogs, that's a great way to spoil your dog. You know, we kind of think of it just as, oh, normal, dogs socialize or play, but that's a great way to spoil them, to give them extra fun, especially if your dog lives alone, right? If you have only one dog in your house, getting them out there, getting them seeing their friends, another awesome way to spoil them. There's so many great ways to spoil spoil your dog that don't involve pumping sugar and food and crap down their throat and sitting on the couch and doing nothing and, ugh, sorry, I can't stress it enough. Um, so just a lot to think about with this stuff, okay? To me, spoiling your dog is pretty black and white. It really is. I want to do things that my dog gets something out of. You know, I've seen these boarding facilities. <laughs> it, it blows my it's just This is crazy to me. This is crazy how anybody would pay for this. I've seen these boarding facilities all around, and I, I kid you not, I kid you not. You can pay them an extra like five or ten bucks for a staff member to sit on the couch at the facility. Sit on the couch with your dog and watch a movie and eat popcorn. They're going to share a popcorn with your dog and watch a movie. I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble right now, but dogs don't watch movies. Oh, my dog sits and watches the TV. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. guys, dogs can't watch movies. Like, let's, so you're paying a staff member to sit on their butt and do nothing, and share a popcorn with your dog. Do you do you do you see that? <laughs> do you hear that? Do you do you see the problem here? I would rather pay the extra five or ten dollars, have that staff member get off their butt, and take my dog out on the agility course put my dog on the treadmill for an extra 20 minutes and let them get some extra exercise. Let them go swimming, go dock diving, all these things I mentioned, right? Um, It it just, I think that's absolutely crazy that you would want to pay somebody to get your dog to sit on their fat butt and eat popcorn. What? Like, what? So if you want to spoil your dog, guys, it starts by not pumping them full of crap. Fat and happy is not true. It's a fallacy. Okay? It's not real. I feel better when I'm in shape. Dogs feel better when they're in shape. All animals are going to feel better when they're in shape, not when they're fat and happy. Happy, fat, and unhappy. We're changing it, we're changing the phrase now, guys. You're gonna help me out. It's fat and unhappy, it's not fat and happy. Uh, it's just what it is, okay? Have uh, thin is how, hap- uh, excuse me, fit is healthy. We don't necessarily have to be thin to be healthy. Um, so again. Sitting on the couch, doing nothing. You know, the other example I give is in in coronavirus has has not kind of given us a window into that. Uh, Here's my example. If I offered you a paycheck to sit on the couch and do nothing all day, right? Here's your paycheck, but you can't do anything. You can't go outside. You can't go out with friends. You can't do anything. You have to just sit on the couch. might be great for a week or two, right? I think we maybe all felt at the beginning of this, at least if there was some silver lining at the start of it, it was that we could sit on the couch and take a breath. Um, But again, as it's shown us, as a lockdown has shown us, we can't be happy sitting on a couch doing nothing. Animals need a job. We need a job. We need fulfillment in life. And so does your dog, right? every animal on this planet needs a job, needs a purpose, needs fulfillment. So if you really want to spoil your dog, I got news for you. You need to give them more than affection, more than food, more than love, more than a billion toys. You need to give them a purpose. If you want to spoil them, you need to give them a job to do, tricks. You need to give them stuff to do, going for a walk, playtime, dock diving, agility, scent work. Have I said this enough? Um, (laughs) Again, it's a pretty black and white thing to me. You want to spoil your dog? It takes a lot more than pumping them full of food and affection. So if you want to spoil your dogs, get them out there, give them a job, keep them active, and keep them healthy. That's what we have to do to spoil our pups. That's right. Make sure you're getting them outside. Let them get dirty, chew sticks, go swimming, have socialization time, that's what it takes at the end of the day, guys. So, you know, next time you're going to go give your dog maybe some ice cream or french fries or something you shouldn't with the intent of spoiling your dog, rethink it. Maybe have a different perspective and instead get them outside, get them active, give them a job, and that's really what it takes to spoil your dog. Tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over? Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Bonds. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County, The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speak Dogcast, it's Trick Training 101. And today we're going to talk about how to teach your dog to do some fun tricks. Now I think tricks are sort of, well, underappreciated. <laughs> yeah, they are, you know. Tricks are a great way to give your dog something extra to do. Give them an extra job, make the brains work a little bit more. And as we've talked about, keeping a dog active is how you keep a dog healthy and happy. Now, another thing with trick training, um, kids. You know, when I work with families a lot, I think trick training is a great way to get the kids involved. You know, it's a it's a wonderful way to make the relationship with the dog better with them. It's a great way to get the dog understanding that the kid has information to offer and you have to listen to the kid, right, when they're teaching them. And, you know something, it just keeps it fun. It just keeps it fun for the dog and it keeps it fun for the kid and it makes the kid want to come back and interact with the dog even more. And that's always what I want to encourage. I want to encourage the whole family and especially the kids to get involved, be a part of the training, and there really is no better way. You know, a lot of times with little kids, they want to take the dog for a walk and the dog is like twice the size of the kid. And The kid's eight years old, seven years old, perfectly capable of being able to work with the dog, but maybe it's not the safest thing to let the kid walk the dog out on the street like that because the the dog can, can overpower the child. I mean, you got to keep that in mind, right? So again, trick training, it's a great way. I mean, just an awesome way to get kids working with the dogs too. Now you don't have to have kids to teach your dog tricks, right? Um, you know, one of the jobs I used to have was actually working at a animal training facility where we did a lot of trick training. That's what it was. And we did a lot of these behaviors, and especially with the dogs. And with the more exotic animals, we try to tap into their natural behaviors a lot of times, right? And, and bring out those natural behaviors to demonstrate. And it's it's the same concept. Trick training is trick training. I mean, tra- training a behavior, and we uh, to me, I I don't like the word trick training. And it's funny, I'm, I'm using it as the name of the segment, but it kind of connotates that whole like circus thing. And and I feel like there's this negative connotation to trick training or maybe this, like, poo-poo on trick training because whoop de doo your dog knows how to give a paw. Uh, but I tell you, when I when I walk up to people, more time, more often than not, they ask my dog, hey, can you, can you, do you know how to give a paw? People love it, right? So I think trick training is awesome. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with it. I feel like you should encourage it. But maybe we could find a better name for it at some point. I don't know why. I just don't like it. But whatever. Anyway. All right. So. Trick training. (laughs) You already do it with your dog, right? You already, everybody teaches their dog a sit. Everybody, everybody does that. So you're already on the right track. You already know kind of how to get there. And I think we kind of have to talk maybe, maybe about some of the more obvious stuff first, like treats, right? You have to have treats to teach a trick. You just have to. Okay. I look at it as it's, it's, It's a job, right? We've talked about giving your dogs jobs to do. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I like to get paid for doing my job, and I'm sure you do too, and your dogs are no different. They need to get paid for doing their job. As I've talked about before, we have three ways to motivate an animal, guys. That is food, affection, and sex drive. We can't do anything with sex drive with animals, so that leaves us food and affection, Yes, we want to use our affection, but food is always more important. Food's what we call primary reinforcement. Affection is secondary, okay? They can live without affection. They can't live without food. Yes, I want to give my dogs affection. I'm not saying don't give affection, but they can live without it. That's the reality, but they can't live without food. So food is always going to speak volumes over your affection, as it should. If it doesn't, there's an imbalance. We've talked about this, but let's get back to it. You have to have food in order to start doing trick training. Now, something really. I'm just going to start with a sit, right? It's it's a really basic one. Most people know the the trick to to get a dog to get a puppy, right? Especially if you have a new puppy, you take that treat and you kind of put it over their nose and you you start to pull the treat back away from them toward their tail, and it almost makes them want to sniff toward the treat and sit back, and then they end up end up going back into a sit, and then you have that to reward. Now, that's really important. Okay, that's really like like think about it you physically are guiding and directing that dog and then reinforcing the behavior after they do it that's what trick training is guys that's what it is it's all about guiding in the direct guiding and directing and then being able to use food to reinforce the behavior it's that simple okay so, when I teach a sit, that's where I start. When I teach a lie down, guess what I do? I take the treat and I start pulling it to the ground in front of their nose, trying to entice them and guide them into a lie down position. Once they finally go into that lie down, boom, we each reward it with a treat, right? So it's no different. Let's move on. How about a stand or on your feet command, that's a little different. That's a little, that's not my five core commands. Now we're getting more to the trick side. Okay. But it's a very useful tool to have. I need my dog to stand up and move. Guess what? They know how to do it on your feet. It's a great command to teach them to stand up. So how do you teach it on your feet? Now, another thing with trick training is not only do we have to have our treats, one of the second thing, the second thing we need to do is we need to leash them up. Okay. i talked about it before when we're working with our dogs. You have to have them leashed up. A leash is the best way to guide and direct behavior. So if I have a dog in a lie down position, I have them leashed up. And then I'm going to basically just kind of lightly tug on the leash, lightly give a redirection on the leash and say on your feet or stand or whatever the command you want to pair with it is. But I'm showing them by guiding them with that leash, boom, on your feet. And then I reward it when they stand up. Okay, same thing, put them back into a lie down, little guide of the leash, and as I'm pulling on the leash, on your feet, pulling them forward toward me, right, very lightly, very gently, but pulling them forward so they stand up on their feet, and then boom, reward it, good, good on your feet, good boy, okay, then we go back, lie down, stay, good, little tug on the leash saying, on your feet simultaneously, they pop up on their feet, good boy, reinforce it, good on your feet, give them a treat, right, Okay. So you can see it's all about kind of guiding and and directing them through that. Now, other fun things I like to do, um, we can do the on your feet. We can also do head up, head down, right? I like to put them in a lie down. Some people like to do the, you know, the the play dead kind of thing. You can teach them to roll over eventually, but I like to do the head up, head down, right? Same thing. When they're in a lie down position, I'm going to take that treat and put it toward the ground, similar to how I teach them to lie down. I'm going to put it in front of their nose and kind of guide using scent to bring that nose to the ground. The second that nose is to the ground, I'm going to say, good, reinforce it, and then give them the treat. Now, a head down is a little trickier because what you want to reinforce is that head being down. And when you go to give that treat, a lot of times the head pops up. Right? (laughs) So it's a little trickier, and you have to have patience. Okay? You have to have patience and make sure you're rewarding the actual behavior that you want to reward. So I only want to give a treat when the head is down on the ground. If they pop the head up, I don't give them reward. I redirect it, try to get the head back down, then reward and strengthen that. Okay? Really, this is what tricks come down to patience. Persistence and consistency. That's how we teach our dog tricks. Okay. Now, another fun one that I like to do that maybe, you know, everybody teaches their dog a paw and we can kind of get into that a little bit, right? I start to reach under their paw and tap it a little bit and say, Give me a paw, give me a paw and tap it and reward it. Then I'll start tapping their paw a little bit from underneath more to kind of pull it up. And as I pull it up, give me paw. Good, good, give me paw. Reward it. That's how I'll teach it. give me a paw. Now, let's say they already know how to give paw. I like to teach a wave because this one is just adorable. <laughs> it's so cute to watch a dog do a wave. What you do is you ask for a paw. And then you start to take your hand away and you'll you'll notice the dog will start trying to bat their, you know, as you take your hand away, they're going to like bat at you going, hey, wait a second, I'm trying to give you my paw. And then you can reward that behavior of them batting their hand up in the air, but not actually making contact with your hand, right? You shape one behavior into another. So again, I'll ask him to give me the paw, give me paw, and then I'll take my hand away. Sort of like, hey, high five, low five, too slow, or whatever the hell it is. I'm messing that up. <laughs> up high, down low, too slow. There it is. Um, you know, you're kind of doing that game with your dog, but taking it away slowly. So they're continually trying to reach for the paw. And then you go, hey, good wave, good wave. And then you're reinforcing that behavior, right? The tricks are f- I find it fun. I find it a fun challenge, when you have a behavior, when you think of a behavior you want to teach your dog, think of physically how to, how to get them to do it in a fun way like that, right? That's how we start shaping these things. Another behavior I'm going to throw out there, the hide your eyes or the pray. Some people like to teach their dog to, to pray before they feed them. You've seen videos of that. It's cute. Is their dog really praying? No, let's get real, people. <laughs> let's keep it down realistic. Let's bring our heads back down to earth. Um, but it's a cute behavior we can teach them to do. Now I like to I like to kind of incorporate it like this. I like to actually teach them to put their feet up on something first. Now, of course, if you don't like your dogs on furniture, then maybe you need to find a particular thing, you know, a particular stool or something they can put their feet up on so that way you're not encouraging them to put their feet up on on your furniture, but only this one particular stool. But I'll teach them to put their feet up and then reward that behavior, right? And again, using a leash, you can help guide that behavior really easily. Guide them over, kind of give them a little pull toward it, teach them to put their feet up, boom, reward it, using that leash to guide them, right? Pretty simple. Then once they learn to put their feet up, then I'll take a treat, and a, keep in mind, they have their feet, prop their front feet are propped up on something, right? So they're sort of kind of propped up standing. I'll take a treat, and I'll put it, and you can also, you can use a tennis ball if that's what motivates them. Keep that in mind. Use what motivates your dog, right? And, and I actually, I've used a tennis ball to teach this to a golden retriever. He was really, uh, he was really motivated by the tennis ball, and so I actually taught this behavior not with treats, but with a ball right? Use whatever motivates them. Anyway, they have their feet up and I'll take the treat or the ball or whatever it is. And I'll actually put it, I'll take my arm and put it below their feet and put it in between their feet underneath. So that way it it makes their nose look down in between their feet. I I hope this is kind of making sense. This one's a little trickier, right? So they have their feet up on something. I'm going to take a treat and kind of come down underneath in between their legs So it forces their nose to go down in between their legs. And then I'll reward them and say, hey, good, hide your eyes or whatever the command is. Right? Now, all of a sudden, you've taught your dog to put their nose between their legs and hide their eyes. Then I can start to extend it. Once I've rewarded that and strengthened that enough, I can start to say, hey, hide your eyes, stay. Good, stay. Then reward it and then release them. And that's how you can teach your dog simple tricks like that, guys. I mean, it's really, it's not complicated stuff to teach your dogs. I, to teach your dog tricks. What it takes is a little creativity sometimes on your part and that consistency, as I as I've said before. It takes consistency and being persistent with it. But if you can spend just a couple minutes a day building these these uh, tricks step by step, taking little baby steps, it's incredible what you can teach your dog. How about a backup? That's another fun one back up, right? Uh, You can say, hey, back up, back up, and they'll literally take steps straight backwards, right? Great way to do this. Find a wall and find something like chairs. You can line up some chairs. And what you do is you create a little narrow corridor for your dog, okay? So we have a wall on one side, and then I'm gonna put chairs lined up on the other side, just narrow enough, just wide enough, that the dog can fit, but they can't turn around, so I'll guide them in there, right, and I'm standing face to face with them, and then I'll just push into them, you know, like like walk into them, not push into them necessarily, but walk toward them, and being that they have a barrier of chairs on one side and a wall on the other, their only option is to back up, right? And so I can say, hey, back up, back up, and then as they move backwards, say, hey, good, back up, and feed it and reward it, okay? Do that enough times, before you know it, you won't have to step into them. You can just say, back up, and they'll take steps back on their own. Then, slowly but surely, you can remove the boundaries, remove the chairs, and your dog will know to back up. That's a really fun, easy one. And again, creativity. Think about the fact that you need to create a boundary to physically create a backup motion in your dog. That's how we teach these tricks that's how you get a dog to do these fun tricks. And you'll discover your dog's going to love it. It makes them think. It makes their brains go tick, tick, tick. (laughs) Gives them something to do. It gives them a job. It gives them some motivation. So it's a lot of fun to teach these tricks with your dog. And there's no limit, guys. There's really like no limit to the amount of awesome, fun things you can teach your dog. You can start getting a target involved. Okay. We can start getting a target involved. We can start getting really complicated. Um, target training, teaching your dog to either go to a spot with their feet or maybe touch a target with their nose. We can start incorporating things like that. You can start incorporating a pickup something. Uh, my father-in-law, I love it. It's awesome. He taught his dog to go pick up the newspaper, right? Everybody knows that. And it's awesome. His dog will run down to the end of the driveway, grab the newspaper, and bring it back to him. That's a lot of fun. That's really cool. And so you can teach fun tricks like that, that get, and again, the dog loves it. The dog loves bolting down the driveway, getting the newspaper, and bringing it back. It's his routine. It becomes, it's the other thing. It became a routine for him. It gives him that consistency in something to do daily. So all kinds of fun tricks out there. You can be teaching your dogs. It's a great way to interact with them and increase your relationship, make your relationship better with them. And like I said at the beginning of this, I love to get kids involved in this because it's a wonderful way for the kids to interact with their dogs in a healthy and safe way. It's a wonderful way for the dogs to start learning to take direction and good energy healthy interactions with the kids too. So really awesome to teach tricks. I can't stress it enough. It's so much fun. It gives your dog something to do and it impresses people. It really oh especially that wave. And I talked about the wave guys having your dog wave. That one gets like the most attention. People just absolutely love it. Single guys out there, teach your dog to wave and teach your dog to roll over and play dead. Man, you'll you'll be picking up girls left and right. <laughs> right? Um but no teach your dog tricks. It's so much fun. And you know, if you have any questions about uh, how to teach your dog a trick, yeah, we can even put it on the Q&A, right? If you have a particular trick question you have, email me questions at speakadogcast.com. I could give you an idea about how you could go about training that and working on it. So feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. But like I said, get out there and teach your dog some fun tricks it goes a long way to building that relationship and keeping them healthier and happy. The answer to today's trivia question, how many breeds of dog are there in the world? According to the World Canine Association, there are approximately 400 dog breeds worldwide. However, breed standards vary country to country, which leaves this number up for contention. But being that all purebred dogs are actually bred from mixed breed populations, well, this leaves it open to even further debate. (laughs) Next up on Speak Dogcast, it's our breed of the week. This week's breed of the week is the Vishla. The Vishla is a member of the sporting group. They're a medium sized dog with males coming in from 55 to 60 pounds and females weighing in at 45 to 55 pounds. They are a gentle and affectionate breed with a lot of energy. The Vishla does make a great dog for somebody who loves to be active. These dogs need a ton of exercise. Not only do they need their daily walks, but they also need more of a job to do. Agility, scent work, and a hunting companion are just some of the jobs this breed will excel at. If not given the proper amounts of exercise, though, well, undesired and destructive behaviors and anxiety can become prevalent. They are quick to learn, easy to train, but training must be consistent and continual. They're very loyal and loving to their families, and so given the proper amount of stimulation, they can make a great addition to anyone's back. Generally speaking, the Vishla is a healthy breed. They can be prone to certain types of cancers, and as with larger dogs, it's always good to have regular hip evaluations. Kept in good health, the Vishla can live for 12 to 15 years. The origins of the Vishla can be traced back to Western Europe. They most likely descended from dogs bred from the Magyar people, and the dogs' ancestors were most likely appearing around somewhere in the 800s, and during this time, the Magyar people raided and ravaged their way across Europe, reaching as far west as Paris and down to Italy in the south. Settling somewhere around Hungary, the Magyar people continued breeding their dogs and livestock. A painting from the 10th century has been found depicting a Magyar hunter out with a smooth-coated dog accompanying him. Over the centuries, the dogs were bred with pointing and retrieving traits and to work closely with their hunter. The Vishla became a distinct breed by the 19th and 20th centuries, and during World War I, Vishlas were trained to deliver messages. Due to the fallout of World War I and World War II, the breed almost became extinct. Now the Vishla made its way to America in the 1950s. The first dog was actually smuggled out of Communist Hungary with the help of a U.S. State Department employee. The breed continued to grow in popularity, and an interesting fact about the Vishla, a dog named Charte became the first and only dog in AKC history to earn quintuple championships in five different sports. Next on Speak Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Marcel from Dallas, Texas. Marcel asks, what has been your favorite species of animal to work with? Now, I love this, Marcel. Thank you. You know, you're the first person to ask a non-dog related question. And while sure it's a little personal opinion... Uh, It goes off the topic of dogs a little bit, which I'm okay with. You know, I've said it before, this podcast is about dogs mostly, but animals as well. So if you guys have any questions, not only dog related, but anything animal related in general, please feel free to reach out to me and uh, email me, questions at at speakadogcast.com. So thank you, Marcel. What's been my favorite species of animal to work with? You know, I'm going to tell you my top two, Um, kind of, right? (laughs) Okay, so coming in at number two. I really found myself falling in love with working with birds. And sure, birds in general, I've you know, i been very lucky that I've gotten to work with such a wide variety of animals, such a wide variety of species. And even within the bird community, I've gotten to work with parrots, I've gotten to work with uh, crows. And the group, however, the group of birds I really fell in love with, birds of prey, right? Hawks, owls, vultures, Those, that, that's really my number two right there they're like little tiny dinosaurs. I mean, they're fascinating creatures. Birds in general, right? But raptors, you know, birds of prey, they're so um primitive but yet complicated and and that's what I really liked about them. It's instinct and learning how to tap into that and then, you know, once you, you get to put the hot glove on and and once you have them sitting there on your arm, it's it's a very cool experience. And getting to form a relationship and a bond with them too is just so neat. Just so, so cool. Uh, so definitely birds of prey were my number two. But my number one, my favorite species of animal to work with, without a doubt, it's primates. I mean, wow, you know. <laughs> Working with primates was just uh, a lot of fun. And enlightening and educational, and you know primates are so close to human beings that you, when you work with them, you watch you watch the 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 the, the wheels turning, the processing capability, the processing going on in their head, the the thoughts, the decision making, and it's just it's humbling, it's fascinating, it's uh, intriguing, it's incredible. To work with those animals and the way the capacity that I got to was just was just it, it was it was a life changing experience. That's the only way to put it. And I think that's why primates are really my favorite. Is it was a life changing experience for me, um, and it's something really I'll never forget. So without a doubt, primates. Primates are my favorite species of animal. I mean that's you know, that's not. That's not a, I'll give you this. It's not a particular species. Um, I'm kind of leaving it a little more generalized there, but I really liked working with primates. Next question. This comes from Carrie from Westchester, Pennsylvania. Carrie asks, do I need to neuter my dog? The answer, Carrie, is yes. Yes, you do. Look, unless you're breeding a dog, unless you're showing a dog, those are the only two reasons that I can think of that your dog should remain intact. And even then, guys, there are way too many breeders out there. We don't need more people breeding. Unless you're a responsible breeder, someone who's been doing it correctly, who knows how to do it correctly, who's educated on the subject, I really implore you to think twice about breeding your dog. There's too many dogs out there to begin with. So um, don't breed, please. just, Just don't. It's just really not a need for it. There's too many. Uh, and and again, unless you're showing your dog, that's the only other reason that you'd need to keep your dog intact, okay? Now, not spaying, not neutering your dogs, the the really obvious and the simplistic reasons, the first and foremost, guys, cancer. It increases your dog's likelihood of getting cancer, and obviously we don't want that. So from a health standpoint, it's definitely better to to spay and neuter your dog. So please, please, please do so, okay. The other side of the coin, (laughs) instinct, guys, instinct. Would you really wanna be a fully matured adult and not have the ability to do something about those instinctual needs? I'm pretty sure the answer is no. <laughs> so why would you want your dog to feel that frustration? And hey, look, I'll be, that's, that's what you're doing. You're just going to create frustration. And then that frustration can turn into behavioral issues. I see it a lot. Okay. So keep that in mind. Would you want to be sexually mature and not have the ability to relieve oneself on that No, (laughs) no is the answer. Causes pent up energy and can cause issues. So please, please, everybody, please go spay and neuter your dogs. that'll wrap up the podcast today thank you all so much for listening in for you apple podcast users out there don't forget click that five star review it really helps the podcast grow and i would greatly appreciate it and if you guys have any questions for that listener q a you can email me questions at speakadogcast.com have a wonderful week and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog